newborn children to five years of age, right, the time period that these kids grow before they enter schools, our population in Hamilton County of that age group dropped 17%, we've recently learned. The population of childbearing women in Hamilton County is decreasing every year. They're not confident in our ability to educate their children. This is a real issue that we need to address. And if we don't have the will on this commission, it is wrong. It is wrong for this commission to deny the people of Hamilton County the ability to make that decision of them for themselves. We're denying them the democratic process for which that this country is founded upon. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. Like Brian. Yeah, Brian. Yeah. What's your deal, man? Your midweek download destination. I like his style. It's a sort of casual elegance. I'm slaying lame and I'm exposing frauds. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Not to self, don't change And note to self, try to stop digging through hours of Hamilton County Commission audio. Please, Hamilton County Commission, quit giving me reason to do that. And don't die. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone On Air podcast. It is October 23rd, 2019. This is a very... Important date to me, October 23rd, at least for now. Um, you know, 10 years from now, I might not care anything about it, but it was October 23rd, 2017, that my two paying gigs, my two, my main job and my side hustle radio gig, I started those on the exact same day, on this day, two years ago, October 23rd. And leading up to that time frame, to that date, a couple months before that, was more uncertainty than I've ever had in my life. Um, the uh, The day job I have was uh, bought out by a company out of Knoxville. And while, um, you know, spoiler alert, everything has worked out quite well, Back then, there was no reason to be assured of that or to be confident of that. There just wasn't. Um, a lot of people would say, oh, you're just being negative. Think for the positive. No, there was nothing positive to think about at that time based on the information that we had. It was August that we found out that the uh, that the buyout had happened. October 20th was the drop-dead date. October 23rd on a Monday, 2017, was the day that the new company began. It was chaotic from so many different levels. Boring to try to tell you what it is all about on a podcast right here, but it was very, very chaotic. Well, it was around September, early September, that it was a weekend that, um, or the week that Tom Petty died, actually, that I found out that I was going to be good, that I was going to be, I was going to be offered a job and I would go to Knoxville for a couple of days for training and orientations and those things. And it all worked out pretty well. And during the course of that time that I was really 
anxiety-filled. I mean, the whole company was. Everybody was. And it was just a big gossip mill. Um, and I hate gossip, and I was even in the knee-deep in all of it because you couldn't help it. It was just human nature based on the situation. But during all this time frame of this, you know, 30 to, to – well, I guess it was more like 45 to 60 days or so, um, I was in talks to go to work at that the new radio station, Alt 98.7, and in a role that I had never really done before as far as the capacity of, of how I do and don't work on a daily basis. It was all – it was a new way of doing the same old thing. Both of these things were things that I've done – my entire adult life, the beer industry, I'm from a, a administrative side, from a data entry side, from a bank deposits, from a inventory, those kinds of things, and from just doing some damn radio. I mean, I've done both of those my entire adult life, but there were new approaches to how to do it, and that kind of stuff freaks out an old guy, you know, 37 years old at the time, you know, as I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of the generational, um, not the generational gap, but generations and and how we view them as we grow older here at the tail end of this first segment. Um, That was a very, very, very uh, just volatile time, and it all worked out quite well. And two years later, to the day, the radio gig is still strong, uh, at least so far. The new radio show I've talked about is I've got my index finger and my thumb about an inch and a half apart. It's about that close to being an absolute for sure go deal. I talk about it in this podcast because... All the people involved don't listen, so I'm not I'm not that worried. If if it, and actually if they did listen, I'd like them to you know get a hold of me and say what are you talking about? Well, I'm glad you called. I'm glad that you asked. Anyway, that's close. And then the day job is still a, a good gig. So October 23rd is a uh, very memorable day for me. All right, let's take a look at uh, some things here. Uh, just a couple of thoughts on the front end. Never got around to talking about the Coyote Jacks thing. Finally, that hellhole is closed. I. It, the slum lords that are in the Burke family have something to do with ownership of that place. Uh, it's been a nuisance for years, and uh, so many shady, just illegal, um, just you know, downright just scummy people involved with that place. Uh, that's a that's a very good that's very good news to finally hear that that place was shut down. It was four years ago, five years ago, maybe when they first opened that they had some trouble with their ownership who was in a bunch of people that were in hot water with money laundering and drug and <clears throat> you know lots of just you know that typical stuff with, within the nightclub community and I talked about it on on talk uh, on a fill in afternoon or late morning for Jeff one day and the next thing I know I've got the the owners of the place over there you know, taking Scott Chase and Kevin West into a closed door meeting about the kid on the radio talking about uh, you know his his company or his employees or whatever that didn't end up being any big deal in the long run, but it freaked me out because I mean I was so disposable. Another one of those marks of why they eventually uh, ran me out of there. I guess I don't know. So that's good news. <clears throat> one week later, after Doudreau passing my cat, <sighs> it's been tough, man and woman. Well, it has been really really tough. Um, I've, you know, I've settled down with it. I would be lying if I didn't say if just devastatingly sad. I mean, it was so hard those first few days. Uh, life goes on. The show goes on. But I really, really loved that cat. Um, the uh, back end of this first segment, open segment, is going to be spurred by the, um, the, the, the memory. And it was strictly by memory. I didn't see it on social media or a memory through uh, Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Pearl Jam's Versus was released on October 19th, 
And um, on October 19th, I remembered that. It popped into my head because that was a very memorable time of my youth at 13 years old. And it was, um, and I'm around a lot more kids in the neighborhood of that age and concerned about what they might or might not be consuming from a movies, TV, internet, app, music, whatever it is, concerned about what they might or might not have access to. And relating that to that same time frame at my age and how that was going and how we don't do that well sometimes. And then sometimes we do. It's a, it's a confusing conversation to have. I'm just going to bounce around on a couple things on that. Uh, coming up Friday, Nick Lutzko at the Signal. I'm going to be doing stage announcements. Hopefully what I was just kind of insinuating earlier about having uh, something to say out loud about this show. I'm hoping to have that nailed down and given the okay to talk about that on the stage at the show Friday night. The album release party. And uh, let's just take a look at the second two or the two segments here uh, after this one. In the final segment of the show, I've been watching a little bit more TV and uh, more movies with my girlfriend recently. And I'm telling you, I just can't. I, I'm, I'm having trouble with how bland the world of the big picture is. How the you know the silver screen is just the idiot box, and um, and just the lack of creativity all the way around in all forms of entertainment. That'll be a throwaway fluff piece on the way out. And then the second segment of the show, we're going to go back to the Hamlet County Commission. They voted on whether to put a referendum of, uh, they voted no or yes to no, however it was worded, to not put it on the March ballot to let the voters decide whether they want a $60 wheel tax. It's more complicated than just those simple few sentences I just threw out there. Um, I'm not even necessarily at all even disappointed with the way that the vote went. I'm I'm not. I don't know for sure. Um, but the way that these just asshole wannabe politicians, half these people on this commission, uh, talk and act, is it's pretty embarrassing. Um, not all of them, but I'd say most of them. It is a major power play uh, within that commission. And so I sifted through another 30 more minutes of this drivel and cut out some of the parts I thought were worth playing back. And, of course, Tim Boyd makes an appearance as well. But it's less about him this go-around and just more about the points they were trying to make based on what they were doing. And all of it seemed a little bit silly. So we'll get to that here in a few minutes. But first, if I was doing the segments like I have talked about in the past, how I would set up uh, what I wanted to do, today's coolest thing and today's worst idea. Well, this one might be a combination of the two. Um, a man who killed two people, we all pretty much agree on that, ha- is continually posting on Twitter, that would be O.J. Simpson, and more and more I read some of this stuff, and it tends to make some sense occasionally. And this one made the most sense out of anything I've seen on a social media in some time, I want to play it for you. It's two minutes long. This is. On stage. I'll start it over here. Hold on. This is OJ. This is OJ. Come on, damn it. This is OJ Simpson talking about the uh, right before the debates um, for uh, you know the 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 Democratic debate last week. And uh, here's his suggestion. I actually kind of like it. Hey, Twitter world, yours truly. Now, normally today I'd be talking about fantasy football, but today is politics. Uh, tonight we have the debates. Twelve people on stage telling us uh, why we should vote for them. Now, 
Uh, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. I think everybody should be watching this because these are people who think they're capable of running our country. And I just hope that they spend their time telling us about their qualifications and their plans and why they should be voted for and not waste time talking about uh, in your windows and rumors uh, about the guy next to them. It's like Jack Webb in the old uh, Dragnet series used to say, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. But you know what I would rather see, really? Uh, at least in the next month or so, I would rather see four people on a stage talking to a panel. And those four people are Jimmy Carter, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama. I would like to see a panel questioning them about the situation and the state of the world today and what they would do. You know, every credible source, scientific source, tell us we're on the precipice of not being able to reverse global warming. Um, I was raised uh, always uh, being told that the biggest challenge to democracy was Russia and China. Uh, I see what's going on with the Turks and the Kurds. Uh, I noticed we pulled soldiers out of Syria uh, just the other day, and already uh, the Russians have moved into that. It might be a good thing. You know, the Russians left Afghanistan, we went. The French left <laughs> Vietnam, we went. We saw how that uh, worked out for us. In any event, these four men uh, sat in the White House for a total of 28 years, and I think the public would like to hear how they would be handling things today, decisions they would be making. I'm just saying. Take care. That is a fascinating idea. Coming from a sociopath, psychopath, murderer, O.J. Simpson. That's where we're at in this bizarre United States of America world that we live in. Um, that a man we all know killed a couple of people, and he just chills and does his thing, and then we listen to him and uh, and actually like give his ideas credibility. I, I mean, I'm doing it right now. I'm the guy. I'm guilty. Um, how, how fascinating and interesting would that be for the four living presidents to be on a debate stand talking about the current issues when they're not running for office? How great would that be? Now, Jimmy Carter's in terrible health right now. He hurt his, uh, broke his pelvis again the other day. Or bro- he, he's been falling and having more and more problems um, recently. Unfortunately, we're probably going to lose Jimmy pretty soon. Um, I mean, just in the foreseeable future, the other three are still youthful enough. They'll be around for a while. But I just thought that was uh, very, very, very interesting. So the other day, I remember that it was October 19th. And I remember when Pearl Jam's Versus came out because it was a follow-up to 10. And it was the highest-selling record in the history of rock and roll and, and music within the first week of its um, of its release. Now that's been blown out of the water, you know, tenfold, ten how many times, many, many, many times. But at that portion point of uh, of our lives in 1993, it was October, October twenty, uh, October nineteenth. It was the highest-selling record in the first week of its release. And I remember when I got it because I was losing my bleep over it. And me and my dad were going to Chicago. Just me and him trip to my grandparents. I don't remember what we were doing. Maybe just seeing them. We might have been doing something a little more complicated than that as far as maybe a sightseeing something or other. But we'd do that a lot. Just go to Chicago for uh, just, just to see family. And um, I remember the Time Magazine uh, came out 
that same week. I don't remember exactly what day. And that magazine was uh, had Eddie Vedder on the cover, which to this day they're still pissed off they put him on there because the band didn't even want to be involved with the uh, the the cover story, the story, let alone be on the cover. Um, All the rage was the uh, the headline on on the cover. Angry young rockers like Pearl Jam give voice to the passions and fears of a generation. And so all those memories came back to me. And Illinois beat, who did they beat? Wisconsin this weekend. And that weekend, uh, back in 1993, Illinois beat Michigan. So I'm in Chicago, just down from Champaign, you know, and the, and the U- University of Illinois, the Fighting Illini. And it was a big weekend because they beat Michigan. And so when I saw, I think that might have triggered my memory when I saw Illinois beat Wisconsin, that I just started thinking, man, that was a time. I was traveling. We were flying. I had the Time magazine with me to read. I had my Pearl Jam versus uh, uh, Eco Pack, the way it came out, one of the first times it wasn't in a jewel case, and listening to it on my on my Discman on the plane and all that. It was I just I remember it pretty well, and it got me thinking. There was times when my mom or my dad or any kind of a parental figure, guardian figure. We're trying to censor what we were listening to because, in a sense, what Pearl Jam and a lot of these this grunge movement was was angry music. But it was too sophisticated in a lot of ways for adults at that time to understand what the point was. And then it moved on to things like Rage Against the Machine, Nine Inch Nails. You start, you know, it starts to evolve from there. And some of that's a lot more, it's a lot easier to kind of pinpoint, you know, all the profanity and stuff like that. Also got to remember that this was the time of the crusade from uh, Tipper Gore against, you know, explicit language in music. Not the meaning of the music, not the 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 influence necessarily of what the the message is, just the words. And luckily we have mostly gotten away from obscenities just saying, you know, the bleep words are no big damn deal. It's how you use them and what your motivation is that uh, I spend more time on these days. But back then it was, oh, is there an F word in the liner notes, which there were a couple in Pearl Jam's, you know, 10. I remember going in and marking out with a black marker with a Sharpie over the the F word in Jeremy and the F word in, he's a little stupid, what was, uh, he's been diagnosed by some stupid fuck. Uh, why go home on that one? You know, and I, I don't know if I was clever enough to get away with that or if she just didn't happen to look. I don't know. But to this day, I still think of if my mom went and took this music from me, took these things that I that were helping to shape and develop my character and my in some ways my ideology over the course. I'm too young at that point to even understand what those words meant. But if she took that away from me and, and didn't allow me to experience it, she would have taken away some of the very core influences and important voices and important messages that I've ever gotten in my life. I didn't know that then. But I know that now because this is still the foundation of, of, of me. I am me because of that. And I would understand why somebody would look at this, all the rage, the, a new generation's voice. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You can't let, a, can't let the kids see this. We've been doing Every generation does this. And I'm doing it now, and we're all doing it. And we're looking at we're looking at 13 and 14 and 12 and 13, 15, all these different ages, and saying this is wrong and that's not good for them, and they shouldn't do that. The difference is the connectivity and the dangerous world 
of the World Wide Web just to get it right down to the core of what the what the deal is. It's so much more complicated and convoluted than that, but that's the main deal. Where do you stop? Where do you say, hey, I might I can't strip this child of something that might be shaping their foundation of the rest of their life. Like I might be just thwarting their development because I'm not allowing them to have what they need. And then there's the countless idiots that get ruined because they have no self-control and no, you know, their brain damage is hell too. So there's that too. There's people all around me growing up who what they were doing at those ages, 12, 13, 14, 15, did F them up, did mess up their development. So that is a concern. But you want to figure out and make sure you're not one of the ones that messes that kind of thing up. So I was doing a bunch of different searches online for uh, just generational conversation. Uh, the next generation, what matters to Gen We? Some call it Gen Z. This is Mary uh, Meehan, Consumer Tech from Forbes Magazine. Teenager, this singular, unique, and some say enviable lifestyle is often equated with fun, discovery, angst, freedom, and transition. We now see the teenage phase as an essential passage to adulthood. But it wasn't always that way. Teenagers are an invention of recent history. Morphing over the years from chaperoned innocence to malt shop boppers, from hippie protesters to latchkey kids, all the way down to today's digital natives. Maybe it's because of the fresh perspective on the world and their sense of immortality. But teenagers serve as cultural mirrors. They reflect our shifting society in ways other life stages don't. Um, this is a really long piece. I'm just going to look at a few things. I'm just This is just kind of things to chew on and things to think about more than an overall greater point. Looking at the overall uh, generations that are still alive, the matures are what we would call, the I would call, the greatest generation, 31.7 million of them left. Boomers, 79 million, the second, third uh, largest population. Gen Xers, which I consider myself, 63 and a half million. We've kind of died off a little bit there. I don't know what happened there. Uh, the millennials, which is, uh, you know, again, it depends on who you ask, but 87, so almost 90 million people. And then the next wave here that are from zero, you know, one years old to 20 years old at the current pay at the current time we're at now is 82 million. So there's a lot of young people running around. There's still a lot of boomers out there as well. Speaking of these Gen Zers, that would be the latest. Again, it just depends on who you ask. What do you want to call them? Highly focused on social justice, 60% of Gen Z want to have an impact on the world compared to just 39% of millennials. I would wonder where that uh, polling comes from. Social entrepreneurship, Jesus Christ. Social entrepreneurship is one of the most popular career choices of this generation. In fact, 72% of today's high school students want to start their own business. I think that's because they see a lot of people on YouTube making money and are delusional about it. That's just my commentary. And then the last highlight I did from this about seven-page uh, blog, uh, Gen Z was born into a 9-11 world, with the war on terror serving as a constant backdrop. Many lived through or witnessed tragedies and sacrifices of the Great Recession. They don't know a time without terms like active shooter or lockdown. Their parents have them on Find Friends. I assume that's some kind of uh, tracking app in case of an emergency. And it goes on and on and on from there. And so it does make you think, well, there are there are so many different uh, technological advances that make being a kid so much different than when, you know, I, my parents were. It's another galaxy. So, you know, it's not even in the same stratosphere. Um, from when, it, when even millennials were kids that were still 
such primitive nature compared to what it is now. And to when, you know, my age group, 35 to 42 were kids, 37 to 42. I mean, there was some technology there, but it was, man, you had to work your ass off for it. You had to work your ass off for it. And if you had parents that were good at all at keeping track of you, you're going to have a lot of trouble getting a hold of it with any regularity. And outliers are one thing. Outliers here with some sensationalized stuff here, some really nasty um, you know, la- language in a song over here, maybe some pornography over here occasionally. All those outliers when you're growing up, I mean, yeah, they make an impact. They matter, and you remember that. But it's not... It's not woven into the fabric of your life back then like it is now. And when those kinds of things become normal, that's when, you know, I don't mean to sound like some preacher man over here, but where the innocence of young people are just being stripped away at such a young age. Maybe some of that is good in a certain sense because you start to get the idea of understanding of real world life a little bit quicker. Um, But I stripping innocence away from uh, the youth I can't imagine in most cases is ever really all that good. I, I'm I'm just kind of thinking out loud more than anything. I'm not asking you what you think. I'm not telling you exactly what I think. I'm just saying now being around youth way more than I ever have been before in my life, it's baffling at times. It is puzzling. What do you do? How do you handle this? What angle do you take? How do you use your real-life experiences and apply them to how you try to guide a, a child and an adolescent's real life experiences. They just, they don't really coincide. They don't go together. Oh, well, when I was your age, it doesn't matter what it was like when it was your, your age. I mean, it, it really, it technically it doesn't. I mean, it does, but no, it really doesn't. It's hard. Holy hell, it's hard. And I don't, I, you know, I'm open up new eyes to this that I haven't seen in my uh, adult life. And it's, um, it just got me thinking about it after seeing that that cover from the Time magazine and all the rage and angry, passion, new generation. And remember thinking everybody thought we were the worst. We were going to ruin everything. We were just we were disgustingly awful. And we weren't. We were just kids listening to rock and roll music by what would some of them eventually be rock and roll Hall of Famers admired by musicians from all around the world global international superstars and activists. Yeah, that that's what that was in my case. But how many other times did somebody get locked into something that was nowhere near that and then did uh, thwart the way that their development and upbringing went? I suppose those statistics and data are somewhere out there to be found, but I don't know where you find them. All right, let's go play with some audio from the Hamilton County Commission vote on the wheel tax last week. Coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Yeah, what up, Council? Uh, my name is Chad Kroger. As most of you already know, 4th of July is my favorite holiday. Fireworks, hot dogs, and Bud Heavies. It's so legit. It was the best day of my life. Which brings me to a larger issue. Why does the USA have so few party holidays? It doesn't make sense. I am ready to rage every day, so why does my country afford me so little opportunity? Memorial Day is legit, but for doing SEAL Team workouts. Respect the troops. Kellen tried to make Flag Day a thing, but it sucked. What happened to us, Council? 
America built the 4th of July holiday around raging. Are we getting there? Yeah. Deal with me. Um, I don't know why I played that. Just some stoners that gone viral out in California going to their city council meetings and saying stupid spit like that. I've used it on the show before. This is the Dead Dead's brand new song called Deal With Me, and it effing rocks! So good, so good. But I got him. I'm in the zone. Deal with me. I All right, sorry about that. So the dumbest thing just happened. I was starting to record the second segment, and I realized that I didn't Dropbox or email myself or any way to remotely access all the audio I worked on all GD afternoon and um, I had to run back to work and hope that the um, somebody was there to let me in so I could get the damn audio from the Hamblin County Commission so that irritated me a little bit overall I am going to be okay I think I want to let this roll just for one more go around to the final kind of crescendo of the chorus And then we'll get to this audio, and we'll start to wrap this thing up soon. All right! I got him. So damn good. So damn good. All right, so um, the deal here is the wheel tax that David Sharp introduced uh, that he wanted on the March ballot, which basically the March ballot is for just uh, like some primaries within like county assessors or something. It, it is a, 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 a polling time, a voting time when virtually nobody shows up, even people who generally um, pride themselves on uh, local municipality and their and and the elections. Most of them usually, basically, don't show up. So that is a, a strategic move by uh, anybody who wants to to make this happen. Now, bottom line for me is when it comes to how would I vote on this, I think I would vote against it um, because actually I don't think I pretty much no. Here's the deal where I'm at right now, and again, I'll get to this audio as quick as I can. Um, I'm as broke as I've ever been in my adult life, uh, just because life is, there's a lot going on right now. And for many, 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 many years, 60 bucks would have been nothing. Like, I mean, hey, say, hey, hey, this costs 60 bucks. Hey, the fine's 60. Hey, the fee is 60. God damn, all right, here's 60, and move along. Well, I'm not really in the world where I just want to be handing over 60 bucks right now. I mean, honestly, I get a couple of paychecks this week. Once those hit, I'm going to feel a little bit better. I mean, I'm not about to be broke, but every, you know, it's it's little paper cuts. It's starting to hurt. And 
my tags are expired on my uh, my old red car that I still drive regularly. On the nicer car that I don't drive as much, the tags are fine, so I've been driving it recently. But I haven't taken uh, to get my uh, tags done just because I just haven't felt like it because it's going to cost me like $25 just for the whatever uh, uh, fee it is now. And if there was a $60 additional wheel tax on that right now, that would hurt. That would hurt. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to, admit, to say it out loud. That would hurt. And it would cause me to delay that uh, process if there was a $60 wheel tax. Um, if it was a property tax increase, well, that's something I don't see. I feel it technically, but not really. Not really. My, you know, my my escrow and my mortgage company, it all, you know, that all works itself out at the end of the year. Then you get your new dollar amount. They round it up. They round it down. Whatever the hell they do. I don't actually have to do anything. You know, I, nothing changes on a day-to-day basis. It's just at the end of the year, it all evens itself out. It might go up a few bucks. Every now and again, it goes down a few bucks. Not usually, but every now and again. This is a yearly fee that I don't think I want to pay. Um... But I don't know that for sure. But at this point, that's, I think, what I would say. So they voted to not put it on the ballot. And where it got confused with local media was that this was a move to enact a $60 wheel tax and a vote on that. I saw some some local TV stations wording their headlines very poorly. This was just to put it on the ballot to vote yes or no to whether the residents w- wanted that. I have a feeling it would not have won- it would not have passed in any election. But all the Republicans were scared because none of the Republicans would show up. And, you know, Unify Ed would, uh, as Tim Boyd say, bust people in to try to get it by by a couple hundred votes. He might not be wrong. I don't know. So let's start here with uh, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cuts from last week's Hamley County Commission meeting. First is District 3, Greg Martin. And he is uh, he would consider it just not now. He wants to postpone any uh, any idea of of having a vote on a wheel tax. I think when it comes to a wheel tax, it's something that this community could consider, but it would be more appropriate to consider it at another time, like in November, the November election. And if it had a sunset on it where that we said that we were going to raise some money to build buildings or something like that, and then it went away after the buildings were built, those would be things that maybe we could have a conversation within our communities. But I can't have a resolution presented to me one week that raises taxes, creates a whole new revenue stream without really having an opportunity to talk to the people in our community about what they think about that. So I guess it is probably pretty unheard of for a sunset, as he calls it, a a limit on how long the tax goes, maybe say it's a five-year tax. Um, Randy Fairbanks wants nothing to do with that, meaning in the sense that he doesn't believe that it's ever even actually a thing. He's the chairman of the Hamilton County Commission. And one thing I will caution this thinking that you mentioned, Commissioner Martin, I could not go to my constituents with a straight face and say, we'll put a sunset on this. It'll be just for a certain period of time, then it will end. I think they'd come back and ask me, Commissioner Fairbanks, show me a tax that's ever been implemented might be one out there somewhere, implemented where it goes for a certain period of time. We say, you know what? We don't need that money anymore. Let's cut that off. I I, I could not, with a straight face, tell my constituents, hey, this will be for a short period of time, and then we'll cut it off later. I think they'd laugh me out of my district. And he's probably correct. Um, Yeah, once you put in a tax, it usually stays. My guy, my boy, Tim Boyd, Commissioner uh, District 8, Hamlet County Commission, 
Tim Boyd, he uh, loves to rattle around his resume of funding the construction of schools, but that is mainly because he has so much control on how that money is spent. Now, a lot of the, a couple of the people on the commission here need to take some extra lessons and extra classes in public speaking. Um, some are better than others. Warren Mackey from District 4, which we'll hear from here in a minute, he was fumbling around about some construction costs or something, um, and that got Tim Boyd to get out there and, here's how much money I raise for schools. September 2017, we passed a tax increase to fund $125 plus million dollars of school physical improvements during the, my tenure here built a new Udawa elementary school at 1200 students about 25 plus million we built east brainerd elementary another 28 million for another thousand plus elementary school east hamilton middle school is under construction for another thousand plus student middle school which will open up significant numbers of classroom chairs in East Hamilton. Uh, Commissioner Mackey, with the help of the mayor's staff and the, the complete commitment by this commission over the, my tenure of 300 plus million dollars of capital improvements in this county for public education, how much more do you want from this commission and our taxpayers as a commitment to public education and physical campus improvement? See, now, it's the money that is allocated from the commission, however they gather it, for physical improvements, for construction, they get to decide how that money's spent. That's what Tim's all about. All Tim is interested in is whatever he has complete control over. And the money that goes to the school board, he has no control over. And he thinks having a nice shiny building equals high grades and high education. First of all, less about grades in my world, more about did you learn anything? Hey, I got an A+. plus. Yeah, don't really care. Did you actually learn anything? Hey, I got a C, but I found out about all this stuff I didn't know about already. Well, that's cool. That's okay with me. Let's learn, all right? But bottom line is a nice shiny East Ridge Elementary just down the road from where I live right here. It's very nice. I've been inside of it uh, recently. It's incredible looking school. Doesn't mean any of these kids are learning anything. All right, so good for you, $300 million worth of uh, brick and mortar, Tim Boyd. More from uh, my guy, Tim. I I just fail to understand how you think we're turning it back on providing significant dollars to help the public education system in the area that we do have some control. There's that word, control. Capital projects. Yep, now, we do have yep. control over that. Yeah. But as Commissioner Smedley alluded to, we have no control. No, you don't. Over monies that we turn over to the Board of Education, as you should not. Which, by their own actions this past spring, uh, I don't trust them to use money in a physically, physical, responsible manner. We know. So that, Chairman, that's all I have to say. Uh, I hope we get on with this vote. I'm anxious to vote. Uh, he's anxious to vote. Uh, yeah, that's just a thing. This is an ideological battle. It's a control over uh, political ideals and ideas, and it, it's not about anything really other than that. But Tim Boyd is the emboldened uh, Trump type who is not going to let any kind of liberal anything get involved. He's from the old school thought of don't let them get too smart. Now, this is just me, you know, kind of going off the cuff here. He's, let, let's not let the constituents get too smart. Give them a shiny building. Give them some, you know, some decent food. Let them have a, you know, a fun recess. 
But we don't really care if anybody's actually getting that smart. Did they get an A? Okay, good for you. But we don't want them to actually learn. To hell with uh, updating the standardized testing. To hell with trying to figure out new ways of learning and innovation uh, for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Long after Tim Boyd is long gone and dust and bones. None of that. Let's just make sure that my contract buddies get jobs to build new schools. Let's make sure my electrician buddies get new jo- get jobs to put in the electricity in the new schools. And then I can run around talking about how damn much I care about kids. Again, this is the guy who gave money to a city initiative, arts and music initiative, to get one of his family members a full-time paying gig. That is the truth. That happened. All right, so he doesn't trust anybody in the school uh, school board, the superintendent, Kathy Lennon, anybody on the student ca- uh, the, the 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 school board council, nothing, none of that. Warren Mackey jumps in and says that Brian Johnson, the superintendent, has passed every test for as far as his knowledge is concerned. I think there's too many of us let fifty people scare us from doing the right thing. We've got to move this county forward. We can't talk out of both sides of our mouths and say we're concerned about things we know, and yet we won't do what it's, what's necessary. We talk about not trusting Dr. Johnson. Dr. Johnson, he set goals established by the school board. He met every single one of them, and that still wasn't enough. Every single one, fives across the board, and that still wasn't enough. We're here to lead and saying no, saying no to everything that comes before us is not the way to lead. You got to have some courage. You got to do what you know is the right thing to do. And there's enough people in there's enough people in this uh, community that have uh, given a ringing endorsement to Superintendent Brian Johnson. People I trust. Now, that might be foolish of me, but people I trust trust that say the, the problems of the past are just that. The problems of the past. Tim Boyd doesn't want to hear any of that. Now my guy, District uh, 6, Hamilton County Commissioner David Sharp, and obviously you know he's pissed off. Now I understand people have concerns, and I have concerns as well, right? I empathize with all of these people that, that, that I represent and that you all represent. I know it's hard to make ends meet from time to time, right? Or all the time. We've talked about that at length. But when are we going to start talking about the need for us to uh, provide an educational environment that our industry leaders say they need, not want, but that they need to develop a workforce prepared to fulfill the jobs that, that, that they require to conduct business? When are we going to do this? This isn't about me. It's not about anybody in particular. This is about being able to recruit and retain high-quality teachers to improve our Department of Education, to fulfill the needs that industry is demanding, and allowing the people of Hamilton County to make that decision on their own. And if we can't allow the people of Hamilton County to speak, then I don't know where we move from here. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, I really, uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm proud of David for taking this on and and uh, and pushing it through. But there is definitely. A, uh, there is an agenda on both sides. I'm not going to act like there's not. I'm not going to act like there's not. And I don't think, you know, just here, full transparency and having this conversation, I'm pretty sure I would not have voted for this $60 wheel tax. I would have voted against it. That doesn't mean I don't think we should find money to cover 
you know, school operations, not just the construction of a new uh, gym, like actual innovation and in and uh, and investment in the way we we educate kids. Everybody's worried about what the building looks like. Everybody's worried about what the standardized testing says. Nobody's actually focusing on whether these GD kids are actually learning anything. Final word here is from Katherine Jeter. She is District 5 on the Hamilton County Commission. She says, since she's been here, people talk about, hey, we, we can talk about this at a later time. Let's vet it and we'll get back to that. From her experiences, it never we never get back to that. So I asked, will there be continued conversations? Will there be continued more time to vet this out? We say those things, but since serving up here, I don't really see that happening. And that's my concern because the realities are not going away. Our teachers spoke up during the budget season. They have continued to email. They email me. I'm quite sure they email some of my other fellow commissioners. The teachers are speaking. They're sharing their voices. We also hear for our administrators from the Department of Ed. So we can each sit up here and say what we want to say, but when are we are really going to do something and involve the people in this process? It's kind of like that situation with, uh, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, you know, husband. You're like, I don't want to talk about that right now. We can talk about it later. And then the other one's like, you always say that. We never talk about it later. And uh, and then that just endless cycle of, I just what is we'll talk about it later. Uh, not now, honey. We'll talk about it later. And it never gets talked about later. Um, I don't know. I I this idea that we continue to educate young people the way that we have for generations to me is foolish. We already have a uh, a nation of numb nuts. We already have a nation of ignorant, dumb assholes everywhere you go. Even some of the smartest, smartest people um, walking around this country are still woefully ignorant to so many um, real-life things because we're just not taught those things until you allow yourself to become enlightened. And so many times, people close-minded Especially as they get older, I know I'm, I know what's best. I this is the way it's always been, and that kind of stuff is going to hold us back so badly going forward. If the school board is wasting money and they've got you know pork all over the place and fat that's just not being trimmed and they're wasting money, and we have clear documentation of that, well then we have something to talk about. And in the past, it sounds like we absolutely did have those things. But these days, it doesn't feel like we do We do have that. We're one of the biggest counties in the state. I'm in fourth or fifth or so, so size county. We've got a, uh, a very thriving area with lots of uh, potential. But if we don't have any kids learning anything around here, and and we're, we're not going to have the future that people want. And I'm not that big old, like, we got to take care of the kids. I don't have any kids, right? I got kids that are around me that I hope have a good life. But so this isn't my big time rallying cry. And if Tim Boyd wasn't such an asshole, I don't know if I'd spend this much time on it. But another thing, just one last thing before I get out of here, I'm going to condense the last uh, uh, segment of the show today. I'm not going to do what I originally did. I'll come back and talk for a minute. But um, the idea, too, that tax paying is such a burden. Like, I don't want my money being wasted, right? I don't want 
Uh, I don't want money going to buddy buddy pals like Tim Boyd does constantly. He, you know, he 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 funds things within the community that give him economic benefit. They give his his friends and his and his colleagues economic benefit. I don't want that. But I mean, look around at the city that you live in. It's a pretty damn nice place. I mean, there's some great parks. There's some really nice roads. There's some beautiful uh, art and and construction and and um, all that kind of stuff that comes along with with public money. And you know, I, I don't want my tax dollars going to you know Finley Stadium. I love Finley Stadium. Take as much, take an extra dollar from me every week. I don't care. Like you have, we have to spend money. That's why I'm not a libertarian because of these kinds of things. I trust a a, a politician. More than I'd ever tr- trust you, whoever you is, or that guy over there, or that woman over there. I don't trust the average asshole walking around to do anything because there is no accountability in most anybody's lives. At least within government, local government, regional government, national government. At least there is a semblance, a semblance of transparency and accountability. Now, it's not real. That's why I use the word semblance. It feels like it might be, but it's not. But it's closer than the average Joe and the average Jill. I don't trust those people. I don't trust libertarians to make sure they do everything to make things go well for everybody because everybody's a selfish asshole. So we pay taxes. We elect people to represent us. And generally speaking, they are smart, highly educated people. And it's all, oh, the buffoon uh, politicians. They're all a bunch of idiots. They're not dumb, dummy. We're dumb. They're dumb. You're dumb. These other people over here are dumb. The people on Twitter are dumb. The people that can't stop commentary on Facebook are dumb. Your county commissioners, generally speaking, are Tim Boyd ain't dumb. David Sharp isn't dumb. Fairbanks, Martin, Jeter, you know, Chuck Fleischman, a Congress, a congressional representative. Marsha Blackburn, a senator. Lamar Alexander, Bill Lee, all the people that, that, that govern the state of Tennessee, they're not dumb. The majority of the state and their constituents are. And at least I get to vote on the people who are, who are uh, representing this area. And yes, we have to pay taxes and we have to fund a better life for us now, presently, and ideally, for the youth and the education of America to try to not be so damn stupid and ignorant and uninformed going forward. (sighs) All right. I went long on both the first two segments. I am in the neighborhood of 50 minutes already. I'm going to condense the final segment and uh, bid you farewell for this week's Weekly Dose, October 23rd. 2019, and I will be right back. And again, this new Dead Deads is fantastic. Right back. He's cool. Stoneonair.com. I love coming back to you right now, man.
Yeah, remember when marriage was just between a man and a woman? I remember feeling safe? Remember no ice age? Remember Reagan? Oh, I remember. Remember when there weren't so many Mexicans? Remember tricorders? I remember. Remember that? Remember Chewbacca again? Remember? Oh, I remember. Oh, I remember. Remember Ghostbusters? Oh, I remember. Between 2003 and 2012, the US theatrically released 122 remakes. And just in the last few years, the evidence seems to suggest that this trend is speeding up rather than slowing down. That was even kind of a clunky uh, rejoin there. The member berries from South Park. This is Nine Inch Nails. Every day is exactly the same. One of the most brilliant songs written in the last 20 some odd years. It's so true. Just the mundane of even of the most exciting people you know's life. The mundane can still just be maddening. And I guess the whole point of this segment was to talk about movies, TV. And I'm going to save the diatribe for another time. And I had some audio from some music from a couple new bands that are virtually the same song. I just don't have the energy or time to do it right now. Every day is exactly the same. And um, I really think a, a product of, you know, the remake of uh, a vacation of America, the rebooting of America of TV shows and it's more, more specifically movies are a direct product of the lack of creativity, the lack of imagination in the average person walking around, the lack of, uh, of care about diversity and um, and quality over quantity and all the different kind of cliched ways I could 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 spend talking on that. Uh, the dullards of the world, right? I mean, just, oh, hey, look, another Batman movie. That's the thing that really got me thinking uh, recently was this, oh, everybody losing their bleep about the new Joker, right? There's another Joker. Oh, hey, there's another Joker. Is he, how does he stack up against the Joker guy who died? Uh, Heath Ledger, what, how did he, is he better than him or is he worse? Like, God, Jesus, what? You know, I mean, if you like Batman, that's fine. That's okay. You know, good. Enjoy your Batman. Um, the idiot box is the big screen. Sitting down with a tub of popcorn or a super mega box of Sour Patch Kids and a 50-ounce Coca-Cola and watching the same old stupid bleep over and over again is the idiot box. And um, there's so much good quality entertainment these days now, especially with what Hulu's doing and YouTube TV and uh, what Netflix has been doing. Um, there's so much great stuff out there. And we're subjected to, uh, this is just something I found on denofgeek.com, 121 movie remakes or reboots are currently in the works. They're trying to do another Ace Ventura. I'm just scrolling through here. Another Aladdin, of course, with ESPN Plus coming. Got to figure out a way to take all this intellectual property that you, they already own. They don't have to you know, pay for a script, not from scratch anyway. Well, we already own the rights to Aladdin, so let's just make another Aladdin. 
Because when the parents who are so tired and don't know what to do with their day can at least reminisce with some dumb Aladdin and have their, you know, their child occupied for an hour and a half, two hours, or however long it takes. Let's see. American Werewolf in London. London going to do another one of those. Uh, another another Batman. I'm just going to get another Batman every other year or so. Let's see. Let the, uh, the old school, the birds, the Alfred Hitchcock uh, classic. They're going to make another one of those. Blade. Remember Wesley Snipes doing Blade back in, what was that, the 90s? Well, they're going to do another one, and he's going to be involved. Let's see. The Blob once again. Bloodsport. Candyman. Remember the, say, Candyman three or five times, and he comes in and guts you and kills you? I snuck away and watched that in the theater when I was like 14, 15 years old. Charlie's Angels is all over the uh, uh, the, the, the commercials and the TVs right now. That's a, I guess it's going to have Bill Murray in it, maybe? Uh, hell, I don't know. Child's Play. Child's Play 10. Can't wait to make another Child's Play. Cliff freaking Hanger. Cliff Hanger, that awful movie with Sylvester Stallone. Going to do another one of those. Another Clue, Alicia Silverstone. Another, or excuse me, Clueless. Another The Craft from the late 90s, early 2000s. Let's see. Oh, hey, let's make another Crow movie. Might as well do that while we're at it. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Dumbo, why not? Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, I'm just scrolling through here telling you the ones I recognize. A few of these I don't know. The Fly. Friday the 13th, going to reboot that. Harrison Ford and, and, and The Fugitive. Now, I get it. The Fugitive was already a remake. Well, let's do it for a third time. Green Lantern, Gremlins, Hellboy, Highlander. Remember Sean Connery and Highlander? Make another one of those. I know what you did last summer, Inspector Gadget. Oh, I mean, it's exhausting just to look through all these. Uh, Lion King, they already did, right? Little Mermaid, Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, major League, they're talking about making another Major League. I don't know. The lack of creativity and the uh, the just pandering to the dullard drives me crazy, and that's even more reason why I want to figure out a way to educate and, and make children's mind more imaginative and more creative because we got too many people walking around that just MAGA types and the ones that didn't even know they were MAGA types that are so satisfied with nothing. So satisfied with just bland, boring, unimaginative stuff, and it's irritating. All right, that's it. I got to go. Y'all have a great one. Enjoy your week. See you at the Signal on Friday. Hopefully that's going to be a big time. I hope for Nick. He sells a ton of tickets. He's been working his ass off at all this social media promotion, did some radio promotion with uh, with me. I don't think we did anything on the podcast, no, but hell, that's where he get his least traction anyway. And tons of videos and production. I mean, he's been working really hard. I really hope he has a great turnout, makes some money, and has a, a, a great time on Friday, October 25th. We will see you there, hopefully. Y'all have a great one. We'll do it again uh, next week, I think, maybe, I guess. I don't know. All I know is I'm gone. See you, bye. <laughs>